0: Our scripture verse that we're going to look at this morning takes us to Romans 8. Kenny uh, mentioned some of it, but we're looking at some of the other verses in Romans 8 this morning. It's page 1135, if you're following in the Pew Bibles, page 1135. It's going to be verses 18 to verse 25, and then we jump to verse 28. Uh, Verses 18 to 25, and then we jump to verse 28. Verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. This is what uh, Paul writes. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. And then verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we end our reading there. We thank God for his word. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Loving God, we pray that you'll prepare our hearts, our minds, and our spirit for your word shared with us today. We thank you for what Paul has written there. May it be an encouragement to us. May it be an assurance to us that whatever is going on in our lives, you are at work for good. May it also be an invitation, God, to those who do not yet know you. May they be drawn to you because of your love for them. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The story goes that in 1974, following on from two very unsuccessful albums, Bruce Springsteen gave it one last go at achieving success. He wanted to write a great song, a song that would be remembered. And so he wrote a song about the struggles uh, and the hopelessness of growing up in working-class America. In the day we sweated out on the streets of a runaway American dream. At night we ride through mansions of glory in suicide machines. The song, Born to Run, talks about the hardships of life. Baby, this town rips the bones from your back. The desperation for change, it's a death trap. It's a suicide rap we've got to get out while we're young. And in the middle of of the song is the important character of Wendy. Wendy, the focus of his need for love and companionship throughout life's struggles. Will you walk with me out on the wire? Because, baby, I'm a scared and lonely rider, but I've got to know how it feels. I've got to know if love is wild, babe, I've got to know that love is real. And later in the song, possibly my favorite line from the song, Together, Wendy, we can live with the sadness, and I'll love you with all the madness of my soul. It's a song that talks about the struggles of life the hope of something better, the need for companionship and the longing to be loved. In this passage that we read from Romans 8, we see a similar story being told. A story of suffering, a story of hope, a story of companionship and relationship, relationship with one another and a relationship with God. And the promise that at work in all of the suffering, all these struggles, is a God whose love for us is unfailing. After describing our present reality using words like suffering, groaning, frustration, bondage and decay, Paul goes on to say, and we know that in all things, in all these things, God works for the good of those who love him. This passage doesn't hide from the obvious truth that we live in a world where suffering and pain and brokenness are an everyday reality for all people. Not just all people, but all of creation. And it doesn't hide why pain and suffering happens in this world. In verse 20, it says, For the creation was subjected to, the, to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Or, as the New Living Translation version words it, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. That curse that this verse talks about is the curse of Genesis 3 the outworking of humankind's decision to choose for themselves what right and wrong will look like. And we don't need to look any further than our own lives to know that we're not very good at making choices about what is right and what is wrong. We live in a broken, broken, suffering and and difficult world. And we experience the consequences of that through, through our own choices, or through the choices of others, sometimes going back generations, because ultimately humankind chose to follow our own ways rather than the ways of God. But all is not lost, because there is hope. There is eager hope, as some translations word it, because there will be a day when creation will be liberated from this bondage of suffering and decay, and all the children of God will experience that liberation for themselves, This passage is all about the reality of what we experience in the world today. Bad things happen in this world and often, maybe too often, they happen to us. And that reality is true whether you are a Christian or not. Verse 22 says that the whole of creation has been groaning and verse 23 that says we ourselves, Paul is talking about believers like him, we ourselves groan inwardly. In other words, we all experience suffering in this world. But you don't need me to tell you that because your own experiences in your own life are probably all the evidence that you need that these things happen to us. But Paul also tells us that there is a hope of a time to come when all the sufferings of this world will be past, when we will be brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. That is the promise that sits at the root of this passage, perfectly summed up in that very first verse we read, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. In other words, the impact of the curse will be broken and we will enjoy the life that God originally intended for us. That's the story of the Bible, that God created this perfect, beautiful, harmonious world and we messed it up. And we continue to mess it up through our disobedience. But because of his unfailing love for us, yes, he loves us even though we continue to mess up his perfect creation. Even though we mess up our relationships with one another. Even though we mess up our relationship with him. His unfailing love for us has motivated him to find a way to make things right again. And we see how that will all work out right at the end of our Bibles in Revelation 21. We're told that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. And the one who sits on the throne says, I'm making everything new. God's unfading love for us means that even though we live in a world, a broken world, a fallen world, where bad choices are made every day that impact, impact us from anything between terrible to tragic, God doesn't want this to be the only thing that we experience or know about being alive. So he has made eternal life possible. And part of that eternal life, the greater part of that eternal life, the part that begins when, when God makes everything new, will be a life without suffering. It'll be a life without struggles, pain, hardship. And that possibility of eternal life becomes a reality when we believe in, G- in Jesus. That's what John 3.16 is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus, will not perish but have eternal life. A life without pain, without suffering, without mourning, without crying, when God makes all things new. Psalm 119, the longest psalm, so I'm not going to read it to you, is a song that praises the Torah, the law that God gave to Moses. Every verse, all 176 verses of, the, of, of Psalm 119 mentions the Torah in some way or another, uses different words to describe it. God's promises, God's precepts, his commands, his laws, his decrees, his statutes. Every verse contains one of these words referring to the Torah. And three times, the psalmist refers to them as an expression or as a way of experiencing God's unfailing love. Verse 76, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to the promise to your servant. The psalmist is saying that the law is how God expressed his unfailing love to his people. And through the law, people can experience God's unfailing love. And then in Matthew 5:17, Jesus says that he hasn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. And so it stands to reason that in Jesus we see the fulfillment of God's unfailing love for us. God's unfailing love for us expressed fully through Jesus, through what he has done on the cross, and through his victory over death at the resurrection. But there's more to God's unfailing love than just what is to come when he makes all things new. And that's what makes. The God of the Bible different from the gods of other religions. In Hinduism you have to reach the state of moksha to break the cycle of reincarnation and to be unified with God. In Islam, only those who are Muslim, only those who, who follow all of Allah's commands may enter into heaven and enter into the presence of Allah. And as for Buddhism, Buddhism, well, other than the cycle of rebirth, the Buddha could not tell anybody what happens after you die um, by, by achieving final nirvana. There is no idea, uncertainty. It is the question that is left unanswered. But the God of the Bible is different. Not only is his desire to be with his people here when he makes a new heaven and a new earth, but by sending his spirit to live with us, we can experience the presence of God every single day. In John 16 verse 7, Jesus says, It is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the helper, the Holy Spirit, won't come. Why does Jesus say it's better for him to go away? Because his physical body limited him him to where he could be at any one time. But by sending his spirit, God is able to be with all people in all places. But more than just God with us, as if just is a word we could ever use in that statement, more than just God with us, comes the wonderful promise of verse 28. God is not just with us, but he is at work with us at work in all things in our lives and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose all things the good things and the bad things and that's something that Joanne and I have been thinking a lot about and wrestling with in recent months if God is at work in all things then that means that when we are going through difficult times going through testing times God is working something good out of it. Now that's far from saying that God brings testing times into our lives so that he can bring good out of it. But rather it says that there are no amount of trials, no amount of struggles that we can go through in life that can overwhelm God. Whatever it is that you are going through right now, God has not been rendered impotent by it. He is not powerless because of what you're going through right now but rather he is already at work in it to bring something good out of it. Why? Because of his unfailing love for you. He only wants what is good for you. We see God's unfailing love expressed through Jesus in the Gospels, not just in his death and resurrection. And isn't that a fantastic example of God working good out of something as as traumatic and final as death? But we also see God's unfading love through Jesus' ministry. When Jesus encounters people who are going through the worst of times, he doesn't leave them untouched. He restores sight to the blind. He sets the demon-possessed free. He strengthens the legs of the lame so they can walk again. He helps the lepers by healing them. He forgives sinners. The list goes on and on and on. No, because of God's unfailing love for us, he is a God who cannot love us from a distance. And he is at work in all things, no matter what the world throws at us. God is greater than that. In all the things that are happening in your life right now, God is greater than those things. And he is working good in those situations. And so what is it that Joanne and I feel challenged by when we think about that verse that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love Him? Our challenge is that when things get hard, when things are not working out the way that we would want them to and we're feeling weighed down by what's going on around us and impacting us, is to remind us that even in those things, God is still working and he is working for something good. And even if we can't see what it is, we can still trust him. Yes, it's easier said than done. Boy, is it easier said than done. But Paul reminds us that the very nature of hope is that we put it in the things that we cannot see. Verse 24 that we read there, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, then we wait for it patiently. So we keep going on with the assurance that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. The last few lines of Bruce Springsteen's song, Born to Run, and I must tell you it's really difficult to quote song, lines from a song and not break out in song, but for your benefit I won't. <laughs> the last few lines... Uh, of born to run say someday girl i don't know when we're going to get to that place where we really want to go and we'll walk in the sun but till then tramps like us baby we were born to run one day christ will return and he will establish his kingdom in a new heaven and a new earth and the troubles of this world will be over we will be at the place where our journey through this world with jesus as our savior is taking us we don't know when that will be but in other letters, Paul compares our journey with Jesus to running a race, leaving what's behind us and, and focusing and pressing on to get that prize, getting to that place where we want to be. We, we were born to run. But we also have the reassurance that until then, our God is still at work in all the things in our lives because of his unfailing love for us. And that assurance for those who love Jesus who are in a relationship with him, as you sit here today, if that is an assurance for you that whatever you are going through, God is with you and at work to bring good out of what you're struggling through, that assurance is also an invitation for those who don't yet know Jesus, who aren't yet in a relationship with him. It is an invitation to you this morning to change that, to allow the God who loves you with an unfailing love To be a part of your life. John 3.16 says that God loves the world and that includes you. He has made a way for you to experience that love in a very real way. On a daily basis. That stretches out into eternity. I hope that today if you are that person. That you will consider claiming that promise of God's love for yourself this morning. All you need to do is ask him to come into your life to be your Lord and your Saviour. And if you choose to do that today or you choose to do that in the coming days, we would love to come alongside you and be there with you because this isn't a journey that you walk on your own. God brings you into a community of people who will love you with the love of God, who will walk alongside you, who will be there with you as you make sense of what this new life in Jesus looks like. But that invitation is there. It is always there for you to draw close to him. We know that God is at work in all things for the good of those who love him. Sometimes we struggle to hold on to those words for ourselves because we can feel overwhelmed by all that is going on around us. I hope today's message is a reassurance for you that even though you might feel overwhelmed today, God is not overwhelmed by what you're dealing with. He's there with you, alongside you, working good, in all of it the end of the service there is a time for prayer ministry is an opportunity for you to come forward and to be prayed with whether that is because you have just given your life to Jesus and you want someone you want to share that with someone and someone to pray with you into that situation do come and take advantage of that opportunity to do that but it might be that you are struggling with something that you do feel overwhelmed by something and you want someone to pray with you And, and sometimes that is just the reminder that we need that God is at work in our lives do come forward and receive prayer in those situations too if you don't want to stay come forward if you've worried that people might look at you stay where you are as everybody else leaves and goes and has coffee stay where you are and one of our prayer ministry team or one of our staff or elders will come alongside you and pray with you where you are but God loves you God is at work in your life no matter what the world throws at you God never gives up his love is unfailing It is all-encompassing, and it is directed towards you. Shall we pray? God, we thank you that you love us with an unfailing love, that your love never fails, it never gives up, and it never runs out. God, as we sit here this morning and life, tumultuous life is going on around us sometimes we feel like the waves are battering us or sometimes it's just uncertainty we don't know what's going to be going on things seem to be out of our control or not working out the way we want them to and we don't know where this is going to lead God we pray that today we will just be reminded that you are there and you're at work and even though we can't see the good that's going to come out of these situations we can put our faith and our hope in you Revive and restore that hope today, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.